today we are going to be finishing our series on altars where we have been looking at um, four different occasions throughout the Old Testament where God brought the altar ration and they built the altar. So God was bringing about change and as a result that was their, their response. So today we're on the fourth one. So we are, we've done Noah, we've done Jacob, and we've, well, we've done Abraham, and we've done Jacob last week. And this week we're looking at Moses' altar that he builds. So last week I said Genesis, and Exodus, I said Exodus, and we were in Genesis. Bear man, conf- hella confused out there. Don't know. I think I even left that, I left that on the podcast. I was just like, whatevs, failure, who cares? Can't be bothered with this thing. But I've got bad people messing me going like, did you know that you are, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mate, who cares? No, it wasn't just you. Like, the, we, had, we had a church partner visiting last week that support, that's looking to support us in new ways and stuff. And he was like, by the way, and I was like, oh, geez. Hella unlucky. So today we're in Exodus, Exodus. We actually are in Exodus today. We're not in Genesis. Um, Exodus chapter 17. And verse 8. You have to forgive me. I'm going to have to kind of fly through this today because I was so ill yesterday. It's a miracle that I'm actually here. But I feel like all these golf balls in my neck. Apollo gave me a shot of ginger, which actually has chilled things out. So I think I can do this. Um, but there's always a chance that some way through, I'm just going to not be able to speak. So Exodus chapter 17, <coughs> verse 8. So the context here is they're not long into their freedom. In chapter 15, they've sung this long song. Um, celebrating the crossing of the Red Sea. So there's a transition taking place. There's a lot of new things that are happening. Uh, They haven't been free for that long. So getting new to what freedom looks like. They've been slaves for a long time. They've been treated brutally. And now it's it's a new day, but it's kind of like a bit of a vacuum. And the key thing we have to bear in mind is before they crossed the Red Sea, there was a situation where the army of Egypt followed behind them. And the key thing we need to know from that story for what we're going to look at today is that Moses said to the people, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. That's what he says to them before the Israelites come. So no one fights. No one goes rags us on. The battle is the Lord's. He holds up his staff the water's open across the Red Sea they walk across and it swallows up the Egyptians so they know the battle is the Lord's and we have to bear that in mind because that's going to be a key thing for what we're going to read today so they've just had problems with food supplies with water supplies manna has been provided from heaven they had water from a rock at the beginning of this particular chapter but in verse 8 is where we are going to be looking Then Amalek came and fought Israel. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, 
Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him. He sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in the book, and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called and the name of it made the name of it The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So the key thing to notice between the two is there's a transition taking place. So in the first, when we look at what happens as they're leaving Egypt, as they're crossing the Red Sea, is, no, 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 hold up, the battle's the Lord's, God deals with it, and then here, apparently the battle is not the Lord's, apparently the battle is yours. The key thing to note about that is, is God clearly is into kind of empowerment. So, so often what happens is God does something in our life and delivers us in, in a particular way, and then when we face a similar circumstance, we're just waiting on him to do it in the exact same way. But actually, a lot of the time, God wants to grow us. And so for this people who've been beaten down in slaves, they were in no position. Their confidence, who they were, their identity, how they saw themselves, completely different place. And now, as they've crossed over the sea, God is still with them, and he's still with them, but he's, he's from a distance. So Moses is now on a hilltop, and they can see that he's holding the staff up high, the same staff he held up high for the waters to part, but now they have to go fight. So there's a totally different scenario going on. And why that's important is because sometimes you and I, what happens is we have a scenario that we go through and God does something wonderful in our life and delivers us and we come to the same said scenario again and we just are waiting for the same thing to happen again and it doesn't happen. So for example, hella problems with your finances and then he just this money comes in the post or somehow money comes it's happened to me recently and it's just like banging that's incredible I'm going to survive this month I'm going to be able to make it into work God is in this place I did not know it that happens but then the second time God's going like oh that's great but now you need to go to war with your finances and you need to kind of like sort that out a little bit you know what I mean he's not going to allow that to continue on and on and on and on and the same thing with relationships your relationships are tilting on an edge God does a miracle and you kind of stay together but it's not you can't carry on being a douche you know what I mean it's like God has delivered you from that scenario it's time to grow up and kind of change a little bit and move forward like we all have to do that if you get this if you stay the same person that you were when you were dating when you get married like that's not going to go very far it's totally not going to go very far it's going to go like I don't know six months or if you're um, Kim Kardashian a month you know what I mean it's not going to go long if you stay the same person when you get married it's not going to work and then if you have kids if you stay the same person you're going to be broken you're going to be a hot mess if you don't transition if you act the same way you did in your job before you got promoted to the new role Oh no, that's not going to work out. You've got new responsibilities now. And so what happens in this passage is that this, this immature people, because they're a new people, they haven't known freedom before. They haven't known what it means to have all the responsibility on them. They haven't known what it is to fight their own fights because God has delivered them. And that's fantastic, but God wants them to grow and God wants us to grow. So whatever situation you've been going through that God's been causing a miracle in your life, that's fantastic and we all celebrate that. But actually, this is a landmark moment because this is a key transitioning point for Israel where they're going to encounter who God is in a new way and they're going to learn that, yeah, he's got the battle, he's with us, 
but we have to step up to the plate and we have to we have to move for this so the battle is the lord's yeah but sometimes the battle's ours and but god's going to empower us he's not going to leave us alone in it and he doesn't leave them alone in it so god's not going to leave you alone he's going to be with you it's going to be okay but he does want to see change and transition now who is amalek so it starts off with this this statement amalek came and fought israel so moses just said to joshua uh, choose men for us and go out and fight Amalek. Um, so what had actually happened and what pe- what ha- has been written at, and, and at earlier stages is that these people, when they had been kind of, they, they Amalek had been kind of harassing Israel. So what they'd done is, as these people had, had crossed across the Red Sea, they'd been moving on their way, Amalek hadn't been just like attacking, it had been coming round the back and it had been killing off the weak. So you have this huge convoy of people that have left Egypt. They're knackered, they're exhausted. So at the back of the convoy is where the people who are disabled, the the children who are exhausted, the malnourished, and the weak, and the elderly, and the sick. And so what they've done is they come around the back, and that is who they were attacking. That is who they were killing. So when they've been attacking Israel, that is what they've done. So there comes a point, um, which is when... Moses says to Joshua, like, enough is enough with this. Pick men and go bang those guys up. These guys up. Go deal with them. Go kill them. Just take them out. This is, this is unacceptable. And so then at the end of this passage, when it talks about Amalek and Moses says about what God um, says to him and that he's to, to recite in the ears of Joshua is that he will utterly block out Amalek from under heaven and then it goes on to say that although it will one day be wiped away and there'll be no more of this type of people, uh, Moses says, when he says, the Lord is my banner, the Lord is my, my miracle, is what that translates as. He says, a hand upon the throne. So Moses' idea of holding his hands up, the staff, is, is kind of like his hand is on the throne of God, that he's reaching up to God's throne. And he says, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So on, you've got these two um, statements in tension. On the one hand, they'll be blotted out. On the other hand, there'll be war from generation to generation. It was really interesting because just like there are kind of like Christians that have these kind of like really weird and dead discussions uh, about things that just don't make any, there's no point even discussing. Um, it turns out like the Jewish people have these as well. So one of the dead discussions they have, which is kind of a fun thing, which is more of a theological thing, but how the practical application of it actually pans out is just so dead, is what they discuss is this. They say, so you're in synagogue, right? And there's this really amazing person in your synagogue. And they're really cool. They're really down to earth. They do a lot of good deeds in the synagogue. But then one day, by chance, they have a DNA test. And you find out that the person in your synagogue is a descendant of Amalek. What do you do? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like church pastors have these at conferences, but it's always stuff like, you know, a transgendered person comes to your church. Do you allow them to... Do-? You're like, oh, man, are we really doing this? Like, I sit there, and all I can think when, when I listen to these discussions, I sit there going, I don't care. I don't care. I just don't care. And then while they're talking about that, I'm going, I don't want that one, I want that one. It's just, they have the deadest discussions. And so for the Jewish people, a discussion they constantly have is about Amalek, and they're kind of like saying, like, oh no, well, what would happen? They're supposed to be blotted out, right? We're supposed to duppy these youths, and, and he's in my synagogue, and he's one of us, but he's one of the good ones. And they kind of freak out and have this discussion. And the interesting thing about that is what they highlighted in there was that it talks about the, 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 the DNA and finding out they're kind of a, a, a descendant. Jesus had a lot of sayings. So he spoke to people who were clearly children of Abraham, 
And one of the discussions that had been said was like, you're, you're of your father, the devil. Um, and it's kind of like, no, no, I'm kind of descendant of Abraham. Like, you're, you're a bit dizzy, you're a bit misguided. And so it, it comes down to the ultimate truth is the lineage of your life isn't the ultimate thing that defines you. And what we see in epigenetics, as we did a series on at City Hill um, last year, was that the Bible says that for, sin, for certain sins, the kind of the traumatic ones, it, it, it passes down to the third to the fourth generation. And there's this idea that what you do is writing your DNA as well. So your DNA isn't just predetermined, that some of it is actually being written here and now and that we're going to pass that on to our children. And there was a study done on Holocaust survivors, those who've been tortured and had suffered great trauma, and that the the trauma could be seen in their children who had not faced such trauma. So there was an essence where this was passed down. There was an essence where that is a part of their their. Their, their DNA. There's also an area of our DNA where we don't know what a lot, lot of it is and what it does. And some have suggested and started to debate the idea that actually some of our DNA is being written by, by our actions and by who we are. And so then, if that's the case, then I guess Amalek isn't so much just a people of a, a particular lineage, but I reckon Amalek is all around us today. And I think we can see the clear patterns of their DNA alive in the world. Amalek are the type of people that uh, prey on drunk women on a Friday night or a Saturday night. Um, Amalek is the kind of people that bully the disabled kid in the class. Amalek is the kind of people that go to an elderly person's home, knowing they're elderly, pretending to be a gas engineer and rob all their possessions. Amalek is a group of people who highlight the most vulnerable, the most needy, and, and take from them and cause them harm and seek to gain from them. Amalek could be the majority of the world's richest people who decide that it doesn't matter how much wealth they keep on amassing for themselves. They don't mind that there are so many people that are going to die today alone of starvation that they definitely could do something about. We can as well, with what small amount that we have. But when you're in the 1% of the world's richest, you could, you could change cities, you could change towns. Um, so Amalek is a, a lot of people and so I, while, while, while we see here these guys who are preying on the vulnerable I mean they're doing it firsthand. they're doing it directly looking at the people but actually in the global village we live in now it's actually very difficult for you to be getting more and more rich and disconnect yourself from the news story knowing that you can make that difference so Amalek is a, a lot of people um, and I think that's a I think that's a worrying thing. I think that's a really worrying thing. And I think actually part of our job is I believe as a church and as as God's people that he calls out. I believe he calls us to be a part of the fight against Amalek. I believe he he calls us to call it out when we see that happening. Amalek is also um, the police in America killing um, black young men who who haven't done anything wrong, who are reaching for the ID they've been asked to produce. You know what I mean? Who does that? You replace a complete power in the situation. They're a vulnerable person doing exactly what you've said and you've killed them. That's Amalek. We see it in all different places all around the world. We can see it in our offices. We can see people who are just desperate to get ahead and will just trample over anyone who's weaker than them to get to the top. That's Amalek. All of those things are Amalek. 
And so when we look at this story and we look at this passage, we can often be thinking to ourselves, oh yeah, but that's kind of like thousands of years ago. That's way back then. No, it's not. It's right here and it's right now. There's a second thing. So Moses is there and this, this lasts until the sun is going down. So it's a long, tiring, difficult battle. And actually for some of us in the workplace, it might be difficult to call those things out. Um, it's amazing in the media, obviously, the, the, the inequality, the gender inequality is a huge issue. Um, the, the whole wearing heels thing, um, that, that, that gained big momentum, which I was shocked at because they also talked in the same breath about having to wear, what is it those tops are called that are kind of see-through? Oh, there's a special word for it. Like, oh, they said it on, you know what I mean? Those, the, a lot of women wear those like blouse that are certain that are kind of see-through one. There's like the beginning of a T or something. And a, the work, work. I can't remember what it's called, but me and Jody were listening. And I went, what, "What's that?" And he said, "Oh, you know, the see-through kind of the tops." And I was like, "Geez, there are companies that that is a part of their dress code." Like I was just like, "Boom!" Like you know what I mean? <laughs> Why are we talking about heels? <laughs> you know what I mean? The heels are bad. Don't get me wrong. Like I don't think that should be enforced because I mean that that can be really painful being around all day, and it, it's it's not equality. And I totally totally get that. But I was like, see-through tops. Okay, why is that not at the top of the conversation? How is this happening? But you got those kind of things. There's all different levels of it. And and credit to the lady who stuck up for um, her rights. And, and those are kind of awkward things to do because often there's a pressure that we could lose our life source, our, our financial income from fighting those sorts of things. And we can see all sorts of things happening in the workplace around us. And actually, it's tiring stuff. And so what we need to be as a, as a church in a city hill is, is we need to be supportive to one another. And we can let one another know on a Sunday when we have like small talk at Vinny, it's all fun and it's all great. I'm not saying things have to be heavy, but like, like you can put in passing, oh man, so tough this week. I had this going on at work, likely I'll pray for me, whatever. And we can, we can lift up one another's hands. We can help people continue in their fight. Sometimes it could be like a court case going on. It could be all sorts of things that are happening in your life where you've been wronged or someone else has been wronged that you know or a family member that you're supporting who's been hurt and holding up their arms. It's tiring and sometimes you need that support yourself. And we see in this passage that as they stood by Moses and held his hands up in doing the right thing and supporting a good fight, um, the Lord came through for them. And then thirdly, it talks about um, the Lord is my banner, which actually is a weird one because the word, the word kind of is like that. It's more like a sign, a miracle. So Moses' is real description of God here isn't so much about unfurling a banner. I think they've just done that because his hands are in the air. I don't know why everyone kind of translates it that way. It can be seen, but no one really treats it like that. So the Lord is my banner. The Lord is my miracle. Saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. I guess what I want to do today is as we look at Moses building this altar, he's grateful for what God has done in his life. And I guess all of us here can think of a time when God has done something wonderful for us. Uh, If not, let me know and I'll pray for you and we'll see something wonderful this week. Mm -hmm. But God has done wonderful things in our lives. But as he builds this altar, the declaration that Moses has is like, this isn't over. There are going to be people who continue to prey on the weak and the vulnerable. And God is going to take that fight from generation to generation. And we need to come to that same altar uh, to thank God for the goodness that he's bestowed upon us, that he's helped us fight various battles in our lives and the battles of loved ones that we've stood by, whether they battled disease or abuse or all sorts of pain. But actually that we need to remember 
that we need to keep our hands upon the throne of the Lord, that we need to reach out to him in prayer because we know that God will hear our prayer just like he heard theirs in Egypt and set them free and just like he heard the intercession of Moses with his hands and with his um, staff raised that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. I'm going to pray for us for today. Father, I thank you that you are still at war with Amalek. I thank you, Lord, that it's, it's in the DNA, it's in our identity, it's in who we are. Um, we would love to see nothing more, Father, than for people who are Amalek to find forgiveness and grace and love and mercy in you and live a life of goodness. Uh, but, Father, would you help us to be people who wrestle with Amalek, who challenge them, who face them off at every turn? Because, Father, there is nothing worse than seeing the weakest among us and around us, whether on a local stage or on a global stage, being attacked, being harassed and being um, taken advantage of. Father, would you enable us and empower us? Because in the previous passage, the battle was the Lord's. But in the second place that we look at now, the battle is ours. Would you empower us, Lord, to face off Amalek in our own lives, in the lives of our families, our loved ones, and our sphere of influence, Lord? Would you empower us to do this this week and in our lives going ahead? In Jesus' name, amen.